So I'm just continuing the discussion of what's the best way to build an engine or the way it's often phrased, what's the best cardio program or how do I stop getting tired during Metcons? And in, in the last episode, I talked about four different answers, zone two, interval sprints, and increased Metcons. And I discussed which of those answers is most suitable and ranked them sort of worst to first. Now I want to explore the question a little bit more deeply, the question of how do I improve my engine in CrossFit? It's not so simple. And the reason it's not so simple is because there are so many different tasks, but more importantly, the energy needs are irregular, inconsistent, and variable. The founding principle of CrossFit is constantly varied functional movement performed at high intensity. So it is generally performed at high intensity, at least we're trying to. And in another episode, we might talk about the conflict between constantly varied and high intensity, because in theory, perhaps intensity should vary too. And in our programs, it does, but that's for another time. Even if we perform every workout at high intensity, we get different energy production demands and different muscles doing the work. And in the last episode, I talked about a hypothetical Metcon of snatches, burpees, and toes-to-bar. But pick any task you want. Deadlifts, chest-to-bar pull-ups, double-unders, rope climbs. It doesn't really matter. The principle that I'm introducing, variable energy demands in production, applies across just about any collection of CrossFit tasks. In simpler words, they're all different, and they all need different amounts of energy at different rates. And I think it's pretty easy to see how snatches and toes to bar need energy differently. If you could, if you could graph the energy production of snatches across time, you'd see big spikes every time you lift the barbell and do your hip extension and your pulls and catch it overhead. And then when you drop the barbell, the energy production would drop very low because the barbell is just sitting on the ground. You're not really producing too much energy. So it's a series of spikes. On burpees, it would be a somewhat smooth line of consistent energy production, a little bit of variability at the bottom as you change direction and same with toes to bar, but it would be much closer to a smooth line than you'd see from the snatches. And you can generalize this idea of variability to any collection of tasks. And, and also we can say that the muscles working snatches, toes to bar, burpees are very different and muscles throughout the body are not the same for example, the characteristics of the muscles in your glutes and your shoulders are generally different in terms of energy production, fast twitch, slow twitch, oxidative glycolytic. The cells of your body are not uniform in terms of energy production. They're, they're localized. That's something we'll get into later as well. So when we look at the traditional answers to cardio questions, go long or do intervals or do sprints, the reason those are partial solutions there are solutions and they're valid, but the reason that they're partial solutions is that they come from a world of capacity and endurance training, generally speaking, where the energy production and the muscles doing the work are uniform or near uniform, consistent throughout the event. And if you take something like a 5K row, a reasonably fit person will, will run a 5K in 18 to 20 minutes. That's about a six-minute mile. 
And if you see times getting under 15, you're getting into the world of the competitor. So 18 to 20 minutes. So it, it's a similar time domain to what we might see in some of the longer Metcons. And in a 5K run, your energy production is basically constant. The race starts or the run starts. You reach your speed and you roughly stay there for the whole race. Your energy production doesn't change that much. It might increase if you go up a hill or you accelerate to overtake someone or it's the end of the race and you're going to do your kick. Obviously, then your energy production will will surge. But for the majority of the race, it doesn't really change. That's completely antithetical to CrossFit. Completely antithetical. CrossFit, it changes every rep, between reps, among different energy production tasks. So some of the guidance from the capacity or endurance world, that's why we said it's only a partial solution. Now, yes, of course, physiology is physiology. CrossFit uses muscle cells that use oxygen and do glycolytic power and have phosphocreatine, and, and so does running. Of course, we only have one body, and no matter what we use it for, the same physiology governs. But the <clears throat> the way that physiology, the way your body works to do different tasks is different. And that's why something like going long is only a partial solution. Zone 2 work, or going long, increases oxygen delivery to working muscle cells. That's fine. That's great. That's a incredibly desirable adaptation and it also to some extent improves the fat burning ability or improves your reliance on fat as a fuel source versus glycogen which for endurance events can be especially useful because glycogen depletion is a component of fatigue and if you can increase the amount of calories you get from fat you'll preserve glycogen longer which allows for increased intensity for a longer duration, which is, of course, a highly desirable adaptation. So that's zone two. But it only really activates or recruits slow-twitch muscle fibers. And in the case of running, it's really only the muscle fibers involved in running, which is a, a unilateral hip flexion or a hip-knee-ankle flexion and extension. That's what running is. You flex your hips, knees, and ankles of one leg, and then you extend it, and you repeat that process. So th those muscles do a ton of work, but that's not really going to carry over directly to toes-to-bar or snatches exactly. It's a bit different. So the long, slow stuff is awesome because it hits, it increases your stroke volume or blood pump or heartbeat. It doesn't do anything for fast twitch muscle fibers. We talked about that a little bit in the last in the last episode. You can't increase the performance of fast twitch muscle fibers with increased oxygen supply. So that's why when you start bringing over ideas from the endurance or the capacity world, they're going to be partial solutions. Likewise, intervals are a partial solution. Sprints, partial solution. That's why those those are partial solutions. Likewise, the metrics or parameters from the endurance and capacity world are only loosely applicable to CrossFit. The two big ones that we hear all the time are VO2 max or ability to maximum oxygen consumption and lactate threshold, which is the intensity at which the amount of lactate produced in your body equals the amount at which it can be reduced or uh, removed.
VO2 max, maximum oxygen consumption, is something we usually see at very high levels in athletes like like cross-country skiers, triathletes, etc. And that makes sense. They're doing a lot of slow twitch, very long, multiple large muscle group work, especially cross-country skiers. CrossFit athletes at at the high levels, the games level, will have a high VO2 max, but it won't be as high as the super elite endurance athletes. VO2 max is useful for CrossFit, but it has the same issue with ignoring the demands of fast twitch fibers. So maximum oxygen consumption is important, but it's not the only parameter in CrossFit. There are times in which being strong in a Metcon is more important than your VO2 max. So VO2 max, again, we keep seeing the same theme, is a partial solution because some parts of CrossFit have things in common with the endurance world. Likewise, lactate threshold is a very useful, very predictive parameter in the endurance world because if you exceed your lactate threshold, you get lactate accumulation, and more importantly, I think you get accumulation of glycolytic byproducts like protons, and that's going to reduce your aerobic capacity and and slow you down pretty quickly. So working above your lactate threshold in the endurance world can be problematic if it's not managed. So raising your lactate threshold in the endurance world is super important. It's not as important in CrossFit. Does it help? Sure, it helps. But it's not as important because a lot of CrossFit is done well above threshold intensity. When you hear threshold, it's as much lactate being produced as being removed. That implies an equilibrium, like the maximal equilibrium you can sustain before you get into disequilibrium and lactate builds up. Cool. But... A lot of CrossFit is done well above the threshold. When you do snatches in succession, you're way above your lactate threshold. Even a set of double-unders is probably way above your lactate threshold. Box jumps where you're jumping up in the air and landing. Most of those activities are way above your lactate threshold, at least for a short time. So raising your lactate threshold a little bit doesn't do that much for activities that are way beyond it. Does it help if you're a little bit above lactate threshold? It changes the position of, of the, the figurative red line? Sure it does, and that's great. Like, like Improving your lactate threshold, like improving your VO2 max, will help your performance. But it doesn't have the same huge bang for the buck that it has in the endurance world. It's a much smaller impact. And again, we're coming back to the idea that most of CrossFit is done above your lactate threshold. So raising your lactate threshold it helps, but it's not as fundamental as, as it is in the endurance world. So that's why those are partial solutions, because the if you think about those sports, really, they're, they're partial, from a CrossFit context, they're partial activities, meaning running is something that CrossFitters do, or rowing or cycling, something that CrossFitters do, but it's not the only thing that CrossFitters do. So when you focus on the kind of training that runners or rowers or cyclists do, you're focused on part of the training. Thus, it's a partial solution. In the next episode, we'll get into what a more complete solution might look like.